Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor in play betting. Watch the action, predict the action, and make your best bet with the latest odds on over 1,000 daily events. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Hi, everyone. What's up? Chelsea fans, I hope you're all feeling good. This is Xavier Mbuyamba, and you're listening to the Blue Day Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. And oh boy, what a week it has been for Chelsea supporters around the globe. This is the Blue Day podcast, and for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a blue day. Last Sunday was a blue day, Wednesday was a blue day, and my goodness, every day this week, if you've been reading the news and watching the news, has been a blue day. I am your host, the man that we have a face for podcasting, Keith Lawrence, and joining me this week... We have a special guest on the show. He is Rahul from the Premier Chelsea podcast that we're going to talk all things Chelsea. Rahul, welcome to the show. How are you? Well, thank you for that welcome and, and the introduction, Keith. Uh, I am doing okay. It's been, you could say, a busy week uh, in terms of Chelsea-related things, but also uh, with everything else going on in the world. But it's great to finally make my debut on, on the Blue Day podcast. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Obviously, it was a little bit of a, a late notice sort of asking you to come on. I know we've sort of met, we've been speaking regularly anyway, so it's been nice to sort of get you on as well. And I think it's probably been the, the most significant week to have you on, bearing in mind what's going on with Chelsea. And a lot of stuff has been mentioned. A lot of things are happening in the world right now, which is, of course, bigger than... Chelsea Football Club, we should stress. But at this moment in time, a lot of questions are being asked by supporters and a lot of worry, concern from Chelsea supporters. So let's get let's get to the meat of the matter, shall we? We'll talk about the situation with Roman. And it was a bit of a shock back in sort of on last Saturday, wasn't it? Nearly a week ago when it was announced that he was looking to step down as sort of chairman in regards to his duties and pass the duties on to a charitable trustee foundation. I remember looking at that from last Saturday thinking this ain't going to work because what what sort of ramifications are there going to be for the trustees? Are the trustees in on it? And then obviously it's circulated completely full circle between then and now. In regards to yourself, Rahul, and obviously you, know, you guys over in the States, what's been the feedback and the reaction 
from Chelsea fans that you've spoken to, obviously in America and everywhere else, to the news about Roman in looking to sell because, in in all essence, from Her Majesty's government, excuse me, he's been forced to sell. Yeah, no, it's it's that's the kind of the sentiment here too is that he has been forced to sell. Uh, it's coming as a, at a time where obviously, we, like you mentioned. There's a bigger thing going on in the world right now with uh, with uh, what's going on in, in Europe. And we don't want to forget that. But at the end of the day, we've got to focus on what's happening also with our club and, and, and Roman. So definitely the feeling and sentiment here is that he has been kind of forced. We do believe that there are things going on in the background uh, between the government and himself, the UK government. His name's been brought up and, and I'm sure you're, you guys over there are a lot more close to it but from what we see on the media on twitter on, on in the news is that his name has constantly been brought up with why isn't he being sanctioned why isn't he been uh you know one of the names on the list of people whose assets have been frozen uh and so to see the first statement on saturday which was a, a surprise in itself and then followed up with the news that he's going to be selling the club uh has led us to believe that he's trying to reduce the impact obviously on the club of, of everything that's going on because it, at certain times it has felt it's like Chelsea maybe the ones that have started the the war which isn't true at all uh, so mm. from everyone we've spoken to here and, and on, on our podcast we did our episode the other day we appreciate everything he's done for us we feel bad for how he's going to leave us in terms of the way it's going to come to an end but We've got to look back and look back at the 20 years or so he's been here and, and, and be filled with gratitude and appreciation for everything that he has done for the club. And there's been rival supporters that have been mentioning about, as you say, that we've we've bought it all and Roman's a crook. All this nonsense, basically, that's unproven. You know, yes, Roman has been asked where has he found his money from ourselves, you know, from the powers that be over in this country. And obviously he hasn't said where his money's come from, but I just feel that, as you say, you, you, you put it rightfully. This is not the way that Chelsea fans expected Roman. If he was to go to go, because it, it, we was thinking that he was going to be here for a very long time. There was still plenty more years of success under him. And it, it hasn't been perfect all the way through. I think every Chelsea fan will tell you that. There's been some interesting years that we're thinking, why has he made that decision? What's gone on here? Why, why has he sacked this manager and brought in a lesser manager? So, things things of that nature. But, right. I mean, again, this sort of news on top of what's going on outside of football, it's just completely and utterly bamboozled a lot of people. And when you think about there also have been games being played on top of this, it's not like a summer whereby we're waiting for pre-season. This is all happening while we are playing. We had a cup final last Sunday, which was one of the... People have said to me, Rahul, I don't know whether they've said to you on your show and what they've said to you sort of um, quietly, but they've said, oh, it's the best nil-nil I've ever seen. Oh, it was one of the great cup finals that didn't have a goal. I'm on the camp of the other side. I thought <laughs> I thought it was just <laughs> it was just an unbelievable experience to sort of be there with a cup final as well. 
I thought we we were we were a better team, the best the best team lost in my opinion. But when I was there and we were talking to Chelsea fans about the situation with Roman, and we was like, no, nah, he's not going to sell. No, 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 he's he's not going to sell. This may the the situation in, in Ukraine might not blow over anytime soon, but this situation with Roman and Chelsea is going to blow over. He'll be fine. He'll stay. He'll he'll be fine. And then jump on to Wednesday an hour before kickoff, which I thought the timing was very, very odd. He announces that he's looking to sell, and I'm assuming based on with how things are with football business that part interested parties would have contacted him prior to Wednesday. And it's it was announced that he was looking to sell, and we now in unknown territory because there's a generation of Chelsea supporters that have only known one owner. They've only known Bruce Buck. They've only known Marina as well. So a lot of people are a bit bit nervous about it. What's your take on it all in regards to where Chelsea go from here? You know, because there's talk about consortiums. There's talk about one mega rich guy potentially coming in and there's people from England. The situation I found uh, today from a friend of mine who sent me over, uh, there's a chap, forgive me, I I won't say his name because I'll end up uh, misspelling it, but a chap from (laughs) Turkey who's got a lot more money than what we have. He's interested in buying Chelsea. What's what's your sort of take on it? Because again, you've been a Chelsea supporter for a, a long time as well. Again, this is this is new to this is new to you as well as for many other Chelsea supporters. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's before I get to that, I, I gotta go back to when before Roman came in, and, and a lot of rival fans, a lot of media make it seem like Chelsea didn't exist before that. Chelsea weren't uh, one of the household names in the Premier League, and and that's all not true. Roman obviously elevated us and took us to successes and heights that. We always always wanted to get to his fans and as a club, but his desire, his passion, his obviously his pockets helped us get there. But we've won more European trophies before he came in than any other club in London. So let's put that out there. Coming to Roman, I mean, he took us to the highest of highs. There were some lows, obviously, like you mentioned, with manager changes and some questioning that came about. But he always did it, and we touched on this on our episode. In his statements, both statements, he's mentioned best interest of the club. And every decision he's made, every trophy we won, every player we bought, every manager that's come in, every backroom staff has been in the best interest of the club. And when we look forward, you look at someone spending close to $3 billion, £3 billion, whatever it is, to buy Chelsea, they're not going to be looking at it like, let's go win every trophy out there. And maybe they are, maybe I'm wrong, but my personal feeling is they're just going to turn into, we've got to be making a profit here. We've got to be making, you know, we've got to stay in the green. And and from what we've seen with other owners, look at Stan Kroenke at Arsenal, you look at uh, FSG at Liverpool. Of course, they're both American owners. We are being linked with an American owner and a consortium that comes with them. They've always done things in terms of on-field and in, in, in the boardroom and, and uh, at the club to be making a profit. And I'm afraid with Roman's money that was coming in and, and the loans that were given that he's going to write off, which we've got to talk about in a second, there was never an intention of we've got to stay in the green. I think it was let's go get 
Lukaku for 100 million because that's what the team needs. Let's go get Essien back then for 25 million, and that's what the team needs. I think we're going to now look into the future, and it's going to be an adjustment period for the likes of you and me where we go after a target and get him. Uh, we're definitely not going to be spending 40 million on, on a Danny Drinkwater for sure. Uh, I hope but- not. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think that's kind of where we're headed is it's going to turn into more of a, a business where it's at the end of the day, we cannot be making, I think, 14, 15 million in losses when we close the year. Well, this is the one thing, and this actually does tie into you yourself representing America coming in on, on the show. There's talks of consortium and a potential American owner by the name of Todd Bowley. I think I might have got his name right. Yeah, I think that's you, right. Uh, I, for one, have never heard of him before. I know he's got a bit of a background in American sports as well. Can you tell us a little bit more to myself and the listeners about Todd? You know, have, have you heard of him? Is, is he What's his sort of background in business and also in American sports? I personally hadn't heard of him until the other day when news started breaking out that he was one of the guys that would be interested in the purchase. In fact, uh, from the research I did, he was interested in buying a Premier League club specifically in London in about 2019. Right. Uh, the pandemic hit, and I think those plans got put on hold. But here comes an opportunity for him to not only own a club in London, but own the best club in London uh, and to obviously take them to higher heights than, than we've been. Uh, from what I know, he's a part owner or one of the major owners in the LA Dodgers. And, and I watched a little bit of a, a clip on him and he was talking about how the fans are the most important part of any sporting organization, any club, any team, and everything that needs to be done has to be done in the interest of the fans, which it's all great to hear. I can't comment on the LA Dodgers part because I'm not a big, uh, I believe they're a baseball team. Uh, I'm not a big baseball fan, so I don't know the decisions that they make. But if that is true and he is focused on on fan satisfaction, fan success, while obviously making a profit, that might be something that would be interesting. But you never know. People say the right things. People intend to do the right things. And once they come in, things may change. And with the consortium that's behind him, I believe there's going to be a Swiss billionaire along with him too. They may change their tactics, their strategy once they come into the club. And it's, you know, when we bring in a new manager, we're always like, okay, this is the dawn of a new era. Uh, And I'm comparing a manager because that's something that we've seen regularly. Uh, A new owner is definitely a dawn of a new era and something that's very unexpected. We don't know what's going to happen. We've seen it happen with us in the past, but we went from, point b to point a we're already at a can we get to an a plus an a star that's what we're going to be looking out for and uh these owners coming in have to obviously look out for how to make the fans happy they know roman's a huge huge uh hit with us so they're going to do things hopefully at least in the short term to make themselves be like kind of like what tuchel did when he came in uh replacing frank so Interesting times lie ahead. This summer is going to be one of the biggest summers we've had in terms of a new owner, but also maybe a transfer, maybe player sales. Uh, but I'm getting ahead of myself. I think in the short term, Roman hopefully picks the right person. And we have to stress that at, at the time of recording that no sale, no offer has actually been put on the table. No confirmed offers. There's been talks, there's been 
potential discussions, but no immediate offers. So as with business, and we've seen it with Newcastle as well, this is the one thing that I wanted to sort of illustrate as well. Roman put on his statement that this is not going to be a quick sale. How long does he want to make it for? And how long are we going to have to, say, drag this out? This could be months, potentially, before new owners come in. And it also depends on if the government seizes Roman's assets and it could involve Chelsea. We we don't know. There's a lot of... There's a lot of cautiousness, excuse me, from supporters that I obviously would like to bring up on the on the podcast about American owners. Now, there seems to be this stigma about English supporters not liking American owners because they don't get football. They get soccer. They don't get football, right? And they get this little <laughs> notion in their head about, I oh, will Stan Kroenke does this with Arsenal and they've got like an American model. Then you've got the Glazers at United and they're all about money and a, a lot of negative responses from American owners by English supporters, right? And there's been a lot of talk about certain Chelsea supporters that don't want Americans owning a football club. Do you think that stigma is unfair? Do you think that you know there are good American owners, not just in football in general, but I'm talking about like all sports, when you look at the NFL, when you look at Major League Baseball as well, for example, just sort of to try and maybe clear a few confusion and just sort of clear up a few things in regards to America. Because we had Carefree Louisiana on the show last week and we were talking about you know, the difference in supporting Chelsea from England to America. And I sort of put across that for me, there is no difference. It doesn't matter how far away you are as a, as a supporter. If you're, if, if, if you're a proud American and you've supported Chelsea for a long time, there's no difference between yourself and me just because I go to games and I'm closer to the ground. There's no difference. Should there be a difference then, however, in how people perceive American owners to how they are in this country to how they are over in the States? I would say, you know, that the difference in, in the opinions on, on American owners comes from what we've seen. You've mentioned the Glazers. The Glazers have been there 20 years now, maybe a little bit less. And for the longest time, Alex Ferguson was there and, and they supported him and gave him everything he needed. And they had a well-oiled machine. Ever since Ferguson's left, they've obviously had issues. But I was having this discussion with, uh, one of my co-hosts, they've supported every manager to a very good degree in terms of transfers coming in. They they gave Pogba to uh, Jose Mourinho. They gave him Ibrahimovic. They gave Maguire to, and I know there's a lot of banter around Maguire, but to spend 80 million on a player, uh, obviously the owners want to be, have to be invested in, in wanting the club to be successful. So I look at that. I look at Stan Kroenke. Yes, he hasn't been the best example for an American owner. Uh, but I do think that if Todd Bowley is, is the guy who comes in, he I was just reading while while we were chatting, he's part of the old Dodgers team uh, owners, but he's also invested in the Lakers. And the Lakers have uh, LeBron James on that squad. And, and I know a lot of people dislike LeBron James, but he's given him, or at least as far as Todd Bowley can do, given him the assets to succeed on the, on the court. 
So I think there, the stigma that comes obviously comes from bantering United, bantering Arsenal. Maybe when it comes down to us and we have an American owner, they could be a good fit. They could be someone that says, you know what, we've seen the growth of soccer, football in the U.S., and we want to capitalize on it. We want Chelsea to be the best club and the most supported club in the U.S. And I think that's where Chelsea is headed to because we had a couple of events here with Chelsea in, in December where they were trying to grow the club. They were trying to spread the word about Chelsea FC. And, and so I think that may align together, uh, but you never know. I, it's too soon to say who it might be. It's too soon to say what their intentions might be. Uh, but we've got to stay positive. We've got to appreciate what Roman did and stay hopeful that the next person can do that too. And there's a lot to play for as well. You talk about with the season. And again, as you said, it's not like pre-season where there's nothing else to talk about. There's plenty of football. Unfortunately, we lost in the cup final against Liverpool. And I've said it once and I'll say it again, we should not have lost that. We were partly lucky against Luton, uh, Luton, Luton in the FA Cup being 2-1 down and then thankfully Werner finally realised where the goal was and Lukaku <laughs> realised where the goal was. <sighs> Signings. Strikers. Stri- it's, <laughs> it's the curse of Chelsea and strikers. It's, it's a long-running curse. But Maybe that will change with, with the new owner. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. It's just driving me insane this week. But... Seeing Chelsea as they are, as they have been with Tuchel, and I think Tuchel, to his credit, has handled it superbly well. And I think that he did a press conference before the Luton game, and he pretty much just said, listen, please stop asking me about Roman. I'm here to talk about the team. Please shut up. You know, and it is, he, he has handled it. He's handled it well. And I do know that this does impact on players because, again, they're thinking, well, who's going to own us? what's the money going to be like? You know, if I'm going to be asked, if I'm on a, this decent wage, is this owner going to say, well, this guy doesn't, is not worth this. This guy shouldn't be on this. This does impact the players. People that think that it doesn't, believe me, it does. And that's why I think it's even more interesting when you look at Rudiger's contract, you look at Aspilicueta's contract, they're expiring, I know Roman's obviously, as you say, he's got the best interest of, of the club at heart. But with new owners coming in, this could change things just a little bit. So we do need to see. We do need to have a look. But as you say, the season is still interesting. We could still, we could still, we could still, we, we could still win two trophies this season. You know, with all this sort of turmoil, for so to speak, and all this sort of hype and questions being asked we could still win two trophies the FA Cup draw has been kind to us Middlesbrough away although Middlesbrough have beaten Man United and Tottenham although everyone seems to beat Tottenham so it's not a (laughs) massive scout for Middlesbrough and we're still in the Champions League we've got a good 2-0 lead over Lille this season could still be good Rahul couldn't it you know with all the sort of like the doom and gloom at the moment and all these questions that need to be answered we could still have a pretty memorable season Oh, absolutely. And it wouldn't surprise me if we do end up picking two of those trophies because it's it's typical Chelsea where there's chaos. We end the season with a trophy. 
so it wouldn't surprise me. Again, like you said, the distraction on the minds of the players is going to be a key thing that Tuchel's got to manage. And and the club's got to manage. Better check Marina, Roman while he's still here. Uh, have to address these issues. It's it's like anything, right? If if your company where you work at or where I work at were to get acquired, we would be wondering what's our role going to look like? Are they going to want to bring someone of their own person in? Uh, then those are the kind of things that everyone thinks about. So it's fair that the players would be thinking about it too. Uh, I, and I do appreciate the comment about Rudiger and Aspilicueta because they've been negotiating with the intent that they could get maybe more out of Roman. And now here comes an owner that says it's 150 grand a bust and you go find somewhere else. And those are the kind of decisions that need to be figured out. Obviously now isn't the time, but as soon as the new owners come in and we don't know when that is, it could be next week. It could be next month. It could be in the summer. Uh, those are the things that need to be figured out. But coming back to what we could achieve this season, absolutely. I think we've got the squad. We've got the determination. We've got Tuchel, who's a big, big uh, key in, in, in this whole thing. And from what I watched of his his uh, press conference this morning, what he did ahead of the game tomorrow, he seemed very relaxed. He said, you know what, it's it's going to be a, a change, but we're ready for it. Where it comes in is going to be owning the best club in the world and and. Uh, we've got to believe that and we've got to know that. And I'm going to focus on what I can do on the pitch. And I'm sure he's also thinking about his future, but he can do the job he has in hand and, and let, you know, the new owners and, and let fate decide where he ends up. But for me, I think we still have two, three good months left of the season. Again, we saw a statement come out the day before the final. We saw a statement come out an hour before kickoff. Uh, I'm now kind of thinking it's going to be a statement tomorrow, maybe during the Burnley game, just to keep up with the trend. Uh, but whatever it is, I think we, we've got to stay focused on, on the task at hand and not let this derail our season uh, because we've got to give Roman a good send-off and hopefully he does make it back to the bridge one time before he, he, he departs the club. Well, I think with everything that's been going on, I can't see him returning to the bridge as Chelsea owner because of the fact that there is still restrictions for him to come over in in this country, which you know, it's been going on for so long. But the interesting thing is as well that I wanted to sort of touch on with you, going back to the ownership, is the situation. I don't know whether it's big where you guys are, but this notion of there could be a dilemma for the new owners because they won't own the pitch. And there's talk about Chelsea for nearly a decade now trying to build a bigger Stamford Bridge, either trying to move, relocate or build where they are now. And there's a lot of media coverage that have, that have mentioned it. And I know that I've spoken to certain people within the setup there and they're talking about, well, this could detract from people buying the club because they won't own the pitch. They won't own the name Chelsea. Well, have you heard anything from your end in regards to potential buyers being put off? Is there any sort of coverage where where you are about this sort of notion at all? Yeah, there's there's been some discussion uh, on online groups and forums about American owners wanting to usually move their teams across the country. Uh, we've seen that here in the U.S. with a couple of baseball teams moving from one side to another. Um, so I think it was more kind of a joke, but they said, hey, you know what? We're, we, the fans, uh, pretty much own the pitch and, and the ground. So that's never going to happen and we're going to stay in London. And 
if I'm an investor, I think about it. Yes, that is something that deters me, but there's a lot of other things around Chelsea and, and the name in itself that make it a sound investment and make me feel comfortable about the future, about what I'm going to put into this and, and maybe get out in a few years time. And I think Roman explored the option of building right on this, on this ground, which was obviously not, not successful, but you never know. I mean, I think if there's enough money for the government involved, which ultimately that's what it comes down to, they may make it happen and they may say, you know what, we will, we'll, adjust and will accommodate Chelsea's request to expand the stadium which will be great to see don't don't get me wrong I've been to the bridge a few times it's a great atmosphere it's a great feeling to be there it's a great place to watch games if, if you're even just going as a neutral but imagine 60 70 thousand of us in there singing all our songs and, and and cheering on the players that's going to be a great feeling but in the meantime I think what we've got is great and and for anyone that's looking at us I don't think that's a deterring factor Again, I'm not a billionaire. If I was, I, you'd be talking to me as the owner of the club. Uh, but jokes aside, I think that's that's totally uh, something that wouldn't deter anyone coming in to say, well, we don't own the pitch. We don't own the name. Roman was totally fine with it. And, and look, he invested $140 million and he's going to walk away uh, with the club that's worth $3 billion or, or pounds. And also, the news came out on Wednesday, and a lot of people were stunned in regards to the $1.5 billion that he theoretically loaned to the club, that he's not going to get back, and he's chosen not to have that back. Was you surprised? Because I know I was, and I'm thinking, could this potentially, he could say this now, but then if, with all due respect, if the shit hits the fan further down the line with Roman, could he then say, right, I've changed my mind. I'm going to ask for me money. Yeah, it was definitely surprising because that's, that's not just like pocket change shoot right off, right? It's, <laughs> it's a huge amount. He's obviously under stress and, and his net worth may go down depending on, you know, what sanctions come across and come down his way. So that's definitely a huge, huge amount to write off. But you look at it, he's a smart man. He knows what he's doing. Uh, he's obviously put this club up for close to three billion uh, in sale, which more than covers half of, or more than half of what is owed to him. So he could be making his money back, saying, "You know what? I'm not going to ask Chelsea as the club to pay me back, but hey, whoever comes in and takes that 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 uh, owner's box has to clear me off of this debt, and then Chelsea's free, and they go on and build on." Uh, to to success and and do what they need to do. Which, as a, as a supporter of the club is great because we're in no position to pay back that much amount, right? So if he says, I want it back, we're looking at some scary, scary times. Mm -hmm. And for a new owner, obviously they know that we've paid him off. He's gone. We start off fresh. We have a clean slate. Our our books are balanced and everything that they do in terms of getting Chelsea to the next level is going to be done with the income that is generated obviously from their side, but also what the club brings in, which has significantly gone up. And if we continue to win trophies like we do, we will be bringing in the, the, the income that, you know, is going to be attractive to these new owners. And with everything that's going on, the fact that Tuchel is keeping the squad close, he's keeping it sort of staying focused on Big games, and we've got a big game tomorrow as we're recording against Burnley. 
Burnley's one of the shittest places I've been to. It's one of the shittest teams that I've seen. <laughs> they played here. They 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 played at Stamford Bridge before Christmas. We drew one all. They had horrible tactics. Pretty old school sort of style football. We didn't beat them, and how I don't know because we played we played good <laughs> stuff that day, and that was the start of the downturn when we started having bad results. It was that particular game. I don't know whether it's because of this week or whether it's because of my mood at the moment. I don't fancy our chances tomorrow. So, Rahul, what do you think? Try and try and sort of lift my spirits up. <laughs> Say we're going to win 5-0 and Lukaku's going to score the perfect action. Oh, man. What do you think for tomorrow? Because, I don't know, I just feel t- against Burnley, anything could happen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's... It's always a tough trip, especially with the time that we're going through this week. It's it's become tougher, and I think they lost midweek or last weekend, which leaves them in a tough position for their relegation battle. So absolutely, it's going to be a tough one. They're going to sit deep. They're going to sit tight. They're going to do everything they can to not concede a goal. Um, I, I remember that game from the bridge the, uh, back in, in at the end of last year, and we should have scored three, four goals. And, and at the end, they nick one and take the point. And just to, to step away for a second, that's the beauty of the Premier League, right? We, we've we seen this over and over again. Big teams dominate, dominate. And then the, on, in the last few minutes, the other team goes and scores. And, and that's what we enjoy, obviously, not when it happens to Chelsea. Uh, but they also just recently beat Spurs. Now, you said everyone beats Spurs, but Spurs are one of those teams that were expected to go there and do the business. So I'm, I'm interested to see how we go there and, and handle it, what we set up as. Uh, I don't know if Lukaku starts, uh, so maybe the, the dream of the hat-trick coming through may not happen, but uh, Kai Havertz seems to have found this new desire and fire under his belly, which uh, wasn't there for a while, but it's come in and, and he's turned himself into one of those players that we want to see in the lineup. We want to see him thriving. So with him leading the line, maybe... Pulisic next to him, Mount Ziek. I do think we have two goals in us. Uh, do we get those two goals is a different question because that's been uh, the biggest question is can Chelsea score enough? But if not, I do think we can cut, we can shut them out. So I think we'll win. It's not going to be as pretty as you expected me to say, but I think we'll we'll get the job done. We'll get those three points. Just a couple of more things that I, I want to discuss with you and then we'll we'll wrap this up. I spoke to the guys at Carefree Louisiana about him and we was having a nice debate about his quality and what he brings to the table. And one guy that I would want to sort of get your thoughts on is Christian Pulisic. And, you know, you, when you mentioned him sort of just now, I remember the chance he had in the first half at the cup final when he just hit it at the goalkeeper. He could have hit it either side of him, and there was enough space to hit the back of the net. Lovely ball to him, and he just hit the bloody goalkeeper. It's been a frustrating time for Pudisic. It's been frustrating for certain Chelsea fans to watch Pudisic. What's your take on him as a fellow American, and what's been sort of the reaction to him? Be, you know, being a Chelsea player and what's sort of the, the American pers- perspective of him being at Chelsea? Yeah, look, for us Chelsea fans, it's great to have one of the star players on the American team play for Chelsea. 
Uh, and it would have been, if he goes to any other club, it would have been unfortunate because we would have to hear the other fans and other uh, clubs talking about how great they have the greatest American player. Uh, look, I think Pulisic came in at a tough time. He came in right before we sold Hazard. He was almost immediately expected to fill those boots. And Lampard, I think they did a great job with him. He didn't use him right away. He slowly broke him into the team. And you look back when his first game, well, one of his first standout games was against Burnley away, where he scored a hat trick. So I think he has a potential. He's been obviously had fitness issues, which have frustrated the likes of you and me. Uh, and we've spoken about it deeply on our podcast is, does he continue to have these fitness issues and have a future at the club? Because at the end of the day, you want someone that can get the business done. And we've seen he can do it. The fitness has lacked and has brought him down. He does have the potential to miss the big chance in, in these games, which you mentioned the Carabao Cup final. He missed one, I believe, against um, Man City in the Champions League final, which could have put that game to bed and we would be celebrating 30 minutes before we actually did. Uh, so he does have that, but then I look at the other side and every time he's played on that left wing for us this season, and it's been rare, he's done the business, he's gotten a goal, he's influenced the attack, he's done, I want to say, more than some of the other, other attackers have. So uh, he's 23, I think we're kind to some of the other youngsters in the squad, we're a little more critical towards Pulisic, it could be because he's American and there is, again, you spoke about stigma towards owners, there is that, well, you guys call it soccer kind of thing. And, and so, well, he's not good enough to be at Chelsea. I don't, I don't think so. I think we're, we're a little too critical of him. And uh, he has the potential. Give him the run at left wing. Let him play with, I think, Kai Havertz suits him better as well. Uh, and he will get a goal. And sometimes he will miss the odd chance, which may lead us to losing a cup final. But I don't think his chance was the, the reason we lost it. Uh, but I think from a perspective of an American watching Chelsea, I think it's it's great to have someone so close to home that is growing the game here. Just to, to step away for the second. Uh, soccer or football in the U.S. has always been more for people that immigrated to this country. But I think with the influence of Pulisic, with the growth of you know coverage of the Premier League here and all the other uh, competitions that are shown on TV or at least with the, the subscription-based services, the sport is growing. And I, I go, I live right across from a field. I, I go out every evening and even in 40 degree Fahrenheit, obviously, which is closer to, to uh, I think, eight or, or seven degrees uh, Celsius, I see kids playing out there, playing soccer. And and that's what we want to see. I think the future of this country is great with the, with the sport. Pulisic is obviously influencing that. And I think seeing him do that in a Chelsea shirt is fulfilling for me and all other Chelsea fans. Because of the fact that he's been in and out of the team, he's very inconsistent when he has played. Do you think there could be a, a, a possibility that other clubs could look to sign him? Maybe not just because of what he can do on the pitch, but what he can do off the pitch. Because as you say, he's at Chelsea. He's got an American following, being one of the best players in the United States national team. He's going to bring that following to another club. So could there be, could do you feel that depending on what happens between now and the end of the season... He might look at the situation because of it. He's not a guaranteed starter. 
and you look at the, how the Premier League is, is he suited to the Premier League, do you think? And could he potentially look to pass as new? And I say that with the greatest respect because there are talks of Hudson-Odoi being linked with a move away now. There's talk of Timo Werner potentially going back to Germany. Probably co- coincidental because of the situation with Roman, but there's talk of potential players leaving. Do you see Christian leaving? From a personal perspective, I, I don't want him to leave. Obviously, it's if he isn't getting the game time at the age of 23 with the World Cup coming up later this year, uh, he may decide, you know what, I think my future lies somewhere else because I need to ultimately be playing games and, and scoring and, and advancing my career. But I think he's done enough in the last few months filling in different positions. I don't mean enough in terms of goal scoring because ultimately that's what we want. But he's played right wing back. He's played left wing. He's played false nine. He's played left wing back. So he's turning into a utility player. Obviously, you don't want that from your key attacker. But he's turning into a utility player that can fill in fill in gaps and, and do a good job. I think towards the end of that Liverpool game in, uh, in early January, he almost played right center back. So... Tuchel's trusting him, giving him the the responsibility of, okay, go do this job, and and I trust you to do it. Uh, he's 23. I think he still has a couple more seasons at Chelsea in terms of seeing where it goes. And ultimately, if an American owner comes in, I think that suits Pulisic a little bit better because now we have the star boy of America and we have an American owner funding the club, uh, which will obviously help the growth of, of Chelsea and Pulisic in the U.S., and I think he's still got enough in him consistently. He's got to do it more often, of course. But from what we've seen, he's got a project restart. Pulisic was one of the best players on the planet. And you may say I'm exaggerating it. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm being biased. Uh, but from what we saw, and if he can bring those you know, characteristics and that determination back, absolutely, he's going to be one of those players that we can't drop. He played better with no fans in attendance. <laughs> the game, the games. Listen, you go back to it. The games he played when there was no fans, and as you say, Project Restart, he was best player in the league. There was a game against Crystal Palace where he was the best player on the pitch, and there was some yeah. fantastic games between then, then, and then the cup final. He got injured in the cup. I think he, I think he scored against Arsenal in the cup final. I think so. Yeah. And it was a great finish. And then he picked up the injury and he hasn't been the same player. In my opinion, he hasn't been the same player since. And again, he's been very inconsistent. We've seen the best of him against Liverpool when he scored that great equaliser at 2-2. And then we've seen the worst of him when he's missed chances and he's I mean, he's he's definitely not a wingback. <laughs> he's really not a wingback. Jesus Christ. It's like Pedro being bloody wingback all them years ago. But <laughs> if we, we, we are going to wrap this up, though, because, we, we, Jesus, we could be talking Chelsea all night. But yeah. I do want to talk about the Premier Chelsea podcast just a little bit. Just tell us briefly about yourselves and sort of tell us, obviously, what other sort of stuff do you guys obviously do? Content-wise, do you do on the podcast and how, if there's anybody that's listening to this that wants to sort of know a little bit more from a from a different scope, how can they find yourselves? Yeah, absolutely. So we started the podcast about 18 months ago, uh, driven by the passion and, and love we have for Chelsea. 
it's called the Premier Chelsea because we obviously always also cover the other Premier League teams, uh, but mainly focused on Chelsea. And so uh, we've been doing this for almost 18 months now. We've had a great time. I think we picked a good time to start it because we ended up winning the Champions League. We brought in uh, Lukaku, which hasn't gone the best way. We've now had to discuss the Roman situation. So there's always been something going on. Uh, and it's myself and two other guys, Jackie and Alex, and uh, we do bi-weekly shows analyzing the games, putting out our opinions uh, and providing just listeners a fan perspective. I know there's uh, a bunch of other podcasts out there that do more interviews with journalists and stuff, but we feel like uh, we can provide on a, on a fan perspective what we are thinking and, and help grow the game and help grow Chelsea's uh, influence in, in this country and, and globally and we are on Instagram, we're on Twitter, uh, we also do YouTube. Uh, and honestly, the best part of it has been connecting with fans around the world, like you and I, you mentioned at the top of the show, we've been talking for a long, long time now, but we finally get to meet each other, we finally get to see each other. I speak and that's to happened you with more a- than family. <laughs> <laughs> I, I speak to you on a regular basis, more than family. We talk about Chelsea all the time, and as you say, yeah, it's it's been it's been great to to speak to you guys and speak to other Chelsea supporters and exactly yeah so yeah that that that's been the best part and and we continue to uh, do do episodes and we'll love to have you on there one day uh, hopefully your your schedule allows that and uh, in the future we'd like to visit the bridge as as a team of the Premier Chelsea and hopefully we can connect with the likes of you and some of the other friends we made through this podcast so. Uh, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, it's at the Premier Chelsea. And, and at, like I said, Instagram, YouTube, uh, and Twitter, it's also at the Premier Chelsea. So drop us a follow. And um, obviously, thanks to Keith for having me on today and, and bringing me on at a at a time that has been pretty interesting for us as fans. But it was great <laughs> chatting with you. No, it's, it's been superb. And by the way, before I forget, and listeners, you can probably log off now. This is just for me and Rahul. Rahul, I sort of mentioned to him after the cup final about um, oh, yeah. <laughs> potential merchandise and I bought a couple of bits and I said to Rahul if he was interested and he said yes. So I am showing him now the scarf awesome. that I mentioned. <laughs> yep. Yeah, right, that, that will be sent to you, my friend, this week. Awesome. We will sort out the details of that later on. But yes, yes sir. I would like to look after my American friend, my American Chelsea friend. <laughs> but Rahul, it would be great to see you at the bridge with you and your gang. And yes, it'll be. Thank you very much for your uh, open invitation, and thank you very much for being on the show. It's it's been good to chat to you about Chelsea, and hopefully we see the boys beat Burnley, shitty Burnley tomorrow, and <laughs> see what happens between now and the end of the season. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and once again, thank you. Thanks for having me. It was a great pleasure and honor to be on. Uh, and I'm going to save you the time for sending me a message on what's my prediction. I'm going to go with the 2-1. Two, 2-1 one. Two, one to Chelsea. Lovely. That saved, that saves me a text at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I appreciate that. Listeners, thank you very much for being patient with us while we was trying to sort out an episode this week. This week has been bit of a stressful one for me personally. It's been stressful for many, many Chelsea fans. So thank you very much for being patient with us. We will be having some player interviews coming up this month. Stay tuned for that. But all I can say is, as well, stay safe and carefree.
Social Podcast Network.